if your life was a movie, would you want to watch it? Maybe you wouldn't want to watch it. Would someone else want to watch that same movie? If your life was a novel, if it was a story, would you want to read that story? We're talking in this series about how our lives are kind of parallel stories, and what makes for a good story can also make a good life. I don't know about you, but there's parts of my life that I think would be really cool to be in a movie, and there's parts of my life that I wouldn't want anybody to know about and definitely not to be broadcast for the whole world to see. So if your life was a movie, would you want to see it? Would you be happy with that? And if not, how could we maybe change that story into something that we would feel comfortable watching and showing to others? Uh, I have to admit that one of, the, one of the great movies that I've ever seen, I've seen it a couple of times, I think it's just a really well-done movie, is a movie that I, I can't watch anymore because it causes me to cry every time, right? I get emotional over this movie. I get too involved into it. They did too good a job at making this movie for me to be able to watch it again. And you might, you know, have hazard some guesses about what that might be, but I'll just go ahead and give you the, the story of what it is. It's Toy Story 3. Ever, ever seen that, right? We got that, right? I'm thinking, Pastor Kyle cries at Toy Story 3. You must be a wuss, Pastor Kyle. Like, why, why are you crying at a story about a bunch of fake toys? All right, so, but, but Toy Story is about this, this young man uh, named Andy. He's a boy in the first couple of movies, and these are his toys that he grows up with, like Woody, the sheriff, uh, Buzz Lightyear, the space ranger. He's got pigs, and he's got Mr. Potato Head. He's got a, a dinosaur. So there's these characters, these toys are alive, and they can talk to each other. They can't talk to him, but uh, it's, it's an interesting kind of story. But in Toy Story 3, Andy is grown up, and he's getting ready to go to college. At the end of the movie, he gives his toys away to a, a, a little girl who really needs them, and she's kind of lonely and, and needs these toys, and he's getting ready to go away from home. And so every time I watch that, I think what gets me is, like, it's the situation. Like, I love my boys. They're here today, 13 and 9, and when they get ready to go away to high school, that's going to be a, a big time and celebration, but I'll be sad because I won't get to see them as much as I, as I get to see them now. Uh, and so I think that's part of this, why I can't watch Toy Story 3 again. But I also think that Pixar is, is the company that makes these movies. They just do an incredible job of creating believable characters. Even though these are make-believe, plastic toys that really can't talk in real life, the way that they make them seem like humans, right, anthropomorphizing them, right, you, you get to know them and you get to care about them and, and you begin to see them as people. And so they just do a great job of creating these characters that really get you tied into them emotionally. So what I'd like to ask you to do today is think about some of the, your favorite characters in books and television shows and novels, uh, because I think character is a big part of story. And characters really drive stories to a great extent. And so, you know, we love our characters. We love to love certain characters, and we love to hate certain characters. And so today, I'm just going to go through a barrage of a few uh, characters in our pop culture. If you're watching online, maybe if you can type in what, who they are before I say them, that'll be great. See if you could do that. For those of you watching uh, here in, in line, let's just see who some of these characters are, and are any of them some of your favorites? Maybe you love them or you love to hate them. And so we're going to start off with Dora the Explorer, right? Characters for children. It's not just adults who love characters, but there are characters for children. Uh, and a big character now on Disney is uh, the Mandalorian, right? This guy from Star Wars who flies around with jetpacks, and he's got this little a green guy. Looks like Baby Yoda, but he's really named Grogu. I mean, how cute is that, Grogu, right? So the Mandalorian is like one of the most popular characters on Disney right now with Baby Yoda, 
Uh, and we've got Sansa Stark here from Game of Thrones. Anybody Game of Thrones fans reading the books, watching the movies? Uh, and then maybe not her cousin, but with the same name, Tony Stark, Iron Man, right, from the Avengers. Who doesn't love Iron Man? Uh, he's got his own movies. He's got suits that can fly and all kinds of cool stuff. And he's got uh, Thanos' glove there. This is Miranda from Grey's Anatomy, uh, a very powerful character. If you watch that drama, a very strong lead role in this, in this drama. Uh, and we're going to keep going here, Debbie. We've also got uh, Mr. Miyagi, right? And Daniel from The Karate Kid. Who doesn't love them, right? Wax on, wax off kind of thing. Uh, we also have Mr. Darcy, right? I can be sensitive. My wife's in the room today. So, right, from Pride and Prejudice for all the Jane Austen fans and characters of, of that genre. All right, Ricky and Lucy, right? From I Love Lucy, all the craziness that they got into in those television shows together. Uh, and then we've got Hermione Granger, Harry Potter fans, right? We know about Harry, we know about Ron, but Hermione's really the brains behind the operation if you read those books or watch those movies, and she's just an incredible character. And this is T'Challa. Uh, he is the king of Wakanda. He's also known as the Black Panther uh, in Marvel Comics and in Marvel movies. Um, and this is Elle uh, from Legally Blonde. If you've ever seen that movie, people would look at her and stereotype her in a heartbeat. Uh, but she goes on to break that stereotype, uh, going on to graduate from Harvard University. So that's an amazing character. This is Walter White, a bad guy, right? A really bad guy who moves from being a high school teacher uh, to selling drugs and becoming a kingpin and killing people, right? And so this is someone we might love to hate. So some of the characters from pop culture, who are some of your favorite characters? Who are some of the characters that you love? Who are some of the characters that you love to hate? That sort of thing. As we think about how... A good story also parallels a good life. I want us to keep pressing that. I want us to keep thinking, what are the elements that make a good story? And do those same elements help us live a great life? And so uh, we're going to give a kind of a definition right now of what a good story is. Uh, and, and let's see what you think. A good story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Right? So a good story, right? Pretty much every good story follows this same basic outline. It's a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it, right? You can look at all your favorite stories and see if this doesn't apply. Think about the Wizard of Oz, right? Who is the, who's the main character in the, in the Wizard of Oz, right? It's Dorothy, right? What does Dorothy want? She wants to go home. She wants to go back home to Kansas. And what does she have to do to get what she wants. She has to overcome conflict to go home. What's the conflict? Right? It's the wicked witch. Right? The wicked witch is trying to kill her, trying to get the ruby slippers back from her that she took from her sister. Right? And all those winged monkeys that fly around going, oh, we, oh, oh. Right? So Dorothy wants to go home. She has to overcome conflict, right? overcome the wicked witch to get what she wants. Right? Pretty much every story that's a good story, a great story, follows this same line of thinking. So over the next few weeks, we're going to examine each part of this sentence. And today, we're going to start with character, right? Character, right? S stories uh, are important, right? With plot, plot's important. Setting's important. Action's important, right? But what really drives stories is characters, right? It's the people that are in the stories that we can either identify with and, and feel like we're on their side, or it's someone that's in the story that we just drives us crazy, it's like somebody in our lives that drive us crazy. And so character suck us in. They suck us into a story. Characters are what really drive the stories. And in stories, right, what is a character? A character is is what a character does. Y'all remember the, the movie Forrest Gump, right? Stupid is as stupid does, right? A character is what a character does. Let's think about some, 
some popular characters and stories that we know about. Ever seen the movie Jaws, right? Or Jaws 1, 2, 3, or 4? You know, I really tune in after 2 because 1 and 2 are about the best one of those movies. But anyway, these four movies have made millions of dollars because they're about a character. Which character? It's a big shark. What does a shark do? It eats, right? A character is what a character does. A shark eats, and because a shark eats, they made four movies and made millions of dollars, right? A character is what a character does. Romeo and Juliet, right? Getting back to Shakespeare, right? Old school story, right? What do Romeo and Juliet do? What kind of characters are they? They love, right? Romeo and Juliet love each other, right? A character is what a character does. Romeo and Juliet love. And they love each other so much that that moves us to tear because it's a tragic ending, isn't it? Because other people in their lives say, you shouldn't love each other. And they say, but we love each other anyway. A character is what a character does, right? So if you are the main character in the story of your life, what do you do? Who are you? What are you defined by? How do you live your life? How do you live your life at school? How do you live your life at home? How do you live your life at work, right? A character is what a character does. You're the lead character in your story. Who are you? And what kind of a character are you? What kind of a story are you living? Is it something that you're proud of and happy about? Or is it something you're a little bit ashamed of? Maybe a mixture, right? A character is what a character does. You're the lead character in your story. What kind of story are you living? What kind of character are you? Now, a powerful part of stories and characters usually is that characters are different at the end of the story than when we start out, right? A character starts here, and they end up somewhere else. And sometimes, oftentimes, the character develops in a positive way. They start off in one way, and they have something that improves them. They, they improve themselves. Maybe it's socially, maybe it's relationally, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's professionally. A character starts somewhere, and by the end, they're a different person, and we're rooting for them. We want to see the growth. We want to celebrate that. And sometimes characters start out in the beginning, and they go downhill, right? Bad things happen to characters, and sometimes they become bad characters and, and, and things like that. And so let's think about some character development that we see in some popular culture. So maybe a negative example was that picture that I showed you of Walter White, this guy in this, this show Breaking Bad, and he's a high school teacher, right? A good guy. He's married, right? Family, all that kind of stuff, and he develops cancer, and he can't afford to, to to pay for the treatments. And so he begins to sell drugs. He begins to make drugs. And he, pretty soon he's killing people. And, and, and he shifts from this good man trying to do just something to stay alive and survive. And he becomes this, this, this terrible, like, kingpin, like, drug dealing guy, like, killing people, right? He totally, his character development, pff, straight down. We go back to the Mandalorian that I showed you earlier, right? This, this new Star Wars television show, probably one of the most popular Star Wars television shows. People are like saying, Luke Skywalker, who, right? This is the Mandalorian. We want to see the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, right? So this is like a Wild West show in outer space, and the Mandalorian is a bounty hunter, and he's only in it for himself. He exists to go out and capture people who have a bounty on their head, bring them in, dead or alive, and then collect the money and take care of himself, right? Pretty one-dimensional kind of guy watching out for himself until he meets Grogu, the little baby Yoda-looking character, and something happens inside the Mandalorian. Like, his heart comes alive, and now it's not just all about me. It becomes, how can I get this little creature reunited with his family? 
because the rest of the galaxy is after him, right? And so we see the Mandalorian have a positive character development, and people love him, right? We love him. Like, he's this, this space bounty hunter kind of guy, but he's got a heart for the little green guy, and we are rooting for him to get the green guy back to the green guy's family, right? Whether you like Star Wars or not. That, that is a character that we're gonna love. So again, in your life, if you're the main character in your story, how have you developed in, in, your, in your character, right? Spiritually, emotionally, right? Professionally, relationally, right? Are you growing? Are you, are you becoming better parents? Are you becoming better friends? Are you becoming closer to God? Are, are you becoming a better colleague at work? Are you becoming a better student, right? What kind of character development is going on in your life? Because just like it is true in stories, it's true in life. We're the main character in our stories, and God wants us to live great stories, and God is trying to, to help us to do that. So how are you developing your character, yourself, in your life? Character is what a character does. What are you doing? What is your story? Well, I want to go into the Bible today and meet an interesting character, and I think you're going to find something that maybe you can relate to in this character's story. We're going to be about 750 years before Jesus is born. This is a long time ago. We're going to go in the Old Testament. We're going to meet a character named Jonah. Maybe you've heard of Jonah. We talked about Jaws, the big fish. We're going to talk about another fish, right? This Jonah's the one who gets swallowed by the big fish, and we're going to read Jonah's story. And you're going to see in Jonah um, a godly man who also has some character flaws, and, and God's trying to help Jonah grow and do some great things, right? So 750 years before Jesus is born, Jonah is part of the, the people of Israel. He follows and worships God. And the people of Israel have a, a major enemy. It's the nation of Assyria. Right? I know that doesn't mean anything to you and me, but if you said the nation of Assyria back in 750 years before Jesus was born, people would cower in fear. Right? This is a, it's a powerful country, a powerful uh, government, and they were violent. Uh, and they would do terrible things, torture people while they were alive just to make points, and people feared them. And so when you heard Assyria and Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, like you would be freaking out, right? So God is going to ask Jonah to go to his enemies and to preach to them because God wants the people of Nineveh to repent and God wants to forgive them, right? How do you think Jonah's going to react to that? Probably like if in 2001 when, when we were attacked in America, right, with 9-11, September the 11th, Right, if, if God had come to me then and said, Kyle, I want you to go to Al-Qaeda and I want you to preach repentance to them. I'm ready to forgive. Right, will you go and do that? I'd be like, what? I don't know about that, God. Right, so that's what Jonah has been asked to do. So let's see what he does uh, in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amati. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. I see the wickedness of Nineveh. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. Jonah's going in the exact opposite direction of where God's asked him to go. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord, right? So God asked Jonah to go one way. Jonah says, no way, I'm going the other way. And he gets on this boat. And when he's on the boat, God causes this big wind to come up. And the people on the boat are getting scared. They're like, something's not right here. Someone has done something wrong, and we're all paying for that. Who is the one who's causing all this trouble? And they're able to narrow it down to Jonah, right? 
So they ask him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? Who are you, man? What are you, what's going on here? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He didn't say, and by the way, I'm disobeying that same God, but that's what he says, right? So let's keep going, right? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Right? So Jonah's this interesting character. He's supposed to be a prophet, a spokesperson for God. God asked him to do something, and Jonah disobeys God, right? So he's doing the exact opposite, not being a good character, not developing character in the right way. But when he sees that what his choices have done have endangered other people, he says, throw me overboard, right? There is something noble in Jonah. There is something godly in Jonah. Jonah's doing the right thing. I might be disobeying God by not going to Nineveh, but I'm not taking these people down with me. And so there is some character flaw in Jonah, but there's some good character in Jonah. And so the men begrudgingly say, okay, and they throw him over sea. We know the big fish comes. I don't think it was the Jaws fish, but the big fish comes big enough to swallow Jonah and have enough air for him to survive. And he's in the fish for like three days. And now Jonah is rethinking his position. Wow, maybe I should have listened to God. Maybe I should get out of this fish and go to Nineveh. And so he prays to God. He's like, hey, you know, God, sorry, I messed things up. Maybe we could reconsider this. And so this is how he ends his prayer. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Okay, God, I'm ready. Ready? I'm ready. What I have vowed, I will make good. I follow you, God. I do what you ask. I'm going to do what you ask. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord, right? Maybe God can save me. Maybe God can save the people of Nineveh. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry ground. Isn't that everyone's dream to be vomited out of a fish on the dry ground? Probably if we're in the fish for three days. All right, so Jonah says, God, I'm sorry. All right, I'll go to Nineveh. So God says, okay, it's time for the fish to puke. And so Jonah's fish puke. He's out. He's dusting himself off. God says, go to Nineveh. Right, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, okay, I'll go to Nineveh. So let's see what happens. All right, so Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. He went to Nineveh, and now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days for, for Jonah to walk through. Think about going to your enemy's like, city, like the capital city, and walking across it for three days, saying, all of you guys are going to hell if you don't change your mind, right? I know I'm your enemy, but this is the deal, right? I would be freaking scared, right? If God called me to do that, that's what he said to do to Jonah, right? So Jonah went, but to Jonah... It seemed wrong, and he became angry. Why is Jonah getting angry? Now, he's not scared now. He's angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, right? For it's better for me to die than to live. So Jonah goes and he does what God says to do. The people of Nineveh hear Jonah and instead of wanting to kill him, they're like, he's right. God's right, we've messed up. God, we're sorry, please forgive us. Right? God forgives them. Right? And then Jonah says, I knew it, God. I knew it, I knew it. If I preached and people heard your word that they would repent and you would spare them, and, and that makes me mad because they don't deserve to be forgiven. They deserve to die and you're forgiving them, right? 
And so Jonah's like, I'm so mad, right? I want to die, right? Jonah is like major drama queen here. If they're not going to die, I want to die, right? And it seems to me that Jonah's forgetting that God's forgiven him of all the wrong things that he's done. He probably doesn't deserve forgiveness, but he got forgiveness. But now he's mad at God because God gave the Ninevites forgiveness. So then Jonah goes outside the city. He's sitting out there. It's hot. God gives him this plant that pops out out of the ground and gives Jonah shade. He's enjoying the shade, right? Then this little worm comes up and eats the, eats the plant, right? God calls that to happen. Jonah's mad again, right? The only good news in my life is gone. So Jonah's hot, and this is what happened. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead, right? He's a broken record now. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? God says, Jonah, you're more upset about a plant dying because it gave you shade than you are about 120,000 people who've come to love me. What's wrong with you, dude? You care more about a plant to keep you out of the shade, I mean, out of the sun, in the shade, than you care about 120,000 people. Now, think about this. I really like Jonah because Jonah's honest with God. He is a flawed character. And yet he shows flashes of character development, right? He does get it right. He does end up going to Nineveh and he preaches. He does help save those people who are on the boat because he made a bad decision. He doesn't want them to perish. So, so we see some growth in Jonah. We see some growth in Jonah, but we also see Jonah make mistakes, right? I don't know about you, but in my life, and I, don't, I try to follow God, I try to do the right thing. Sometimes I do the right thing. Right? Like I go to Nineveh or I, or I help the people on the ship, but there are a lot of times where I'm like running from God. I'm getting more upset about my television and cable not working than there are people who are in Charlotte who are hungry and not eating today. Right? And so, man, I can identify with Jonah because in some ways I'm a flawed character and in some ways I, I'm growing as a character. Right? I'm developing as a follower of Jesus. And I think that's, I think that's a beautiful story in Jonah. Right, that, that God understands our flaws, he loves us, and he can still work through us anyway. And he still has room for us to grow. And if you're feeling stuck, God's not through with you yet. Right? And so you don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. Right? We just have to be willing to follow Jesus and try our best and, and allow Jesus to show us what it looks like to develop in character. Did you know that like every six months, the cells in our body like they die and they're replaced, right? And so the cells that are inside of our bones, the cells that are inside of our hair, the cells that are inside of our skin, they're constantly being renewed, which means literally every six months, you and I are a different person, right? Literally, like from the stuff that makes us up. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of like a fresh start. Wouldn't you like to have a fresh start like with that in the rest of your life? Like, I'd love to be renewed in my life socially. I'd love to be renewed in my life spiritually. I'd love to be renewed in my life emotionally. I'd love to be renewed in my life relationally, right? Wouldn't you like to have a fresh start? Well, the good news is with God, that's possible. That God is constantly trying to 
develop us as characters. Another story in the Bible about a person who had character development was a man named Saul in the first century. Saul persecuted Christians. He didn't think they were doing the right thing. He threw them in jail. He had them killed. Right? It was his mission to mess with Christians, right? Until he met Jesus face to face. And Jesus called him out on it. And it changed Saul's life. And so he, he, he did a, like a 180. And he started, instead of killing and imprisoning Christians, he started making Christians and teaching people about Jesus. He started building churches and, and he started writing letters that would become the New Testament. He changed his name from Saul to Paul, right? You talk about character development, right? That's Saul to Paul. I want, I want us to read together something that, that Paul wrote about character development. It's in a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth. It's in this famous letter about love. And this is what Paul teaches us about kind of character development. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child, right? When I was a child, I acted like a child. I acted like a child when I was a child. When I became a man, when I became a woman, those of you ladies, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. When I became a man, I left childhood behind. When I became a woman, I left childhood behind. There's a time to be a child, there's a time to be a grown-up, right? Paul's telling us, right, as characters, we, we're, to, we're to develop, we're to grow spiritually. We're to grow emotionally. We're to grow relationally in our lives, right? The Bible uses a different term for it. It's transformation, right? Chris said it earlier. We have a core value in our church is transformation. This is what transformation means. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. God says, I love you. I made you. I created you in my image. There is goodness in all of you. Right? But you're not perfect yet, and so I want to help you get better. I want to help you live a better life, right? And it's not so that we earn our way to God's love. It's not that we earn our way into heaven. God says, I want you to have a better quality life. I want you to live a life that is full, right? And so I'm going to meet you where you are, and you're, you're wonderful, but, but there's more for you in this world. There's more for you in this world, and I want to show you what that looks like. I want to help you grow in your relationships. I want you to grow in your relationship with me. I want you to grow emotionally, right? And so God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. In a story, right, remember, characters are different at the end. We grow. We develop, right? It's the same thing in our lives. So I want to invite you to do something in your mind right now. I want you to picture, like, if, if you could see your spiritual self in the flesh, what would you look like, right? Your relationship with God spiritually, would, would you be an, a cute little baby in a diaper, right, sucking your thumb and drinking milk out of a bottle because you're new to the faith, right? right? That would be where you are spiritually. Would you be an adolescent? Right? Maybe you're alerted, you're getting kind of tall and lanky and you've got some acne going on. You're not a baby anymore. Right? You've grown in your relationship with God. It's not all that it's going to be, but you, you've moved on. Or maybe you've got gray hair, right? white hair. You're walking with Cain. Right? You're in a mature relationship with God. Right? If you were to look at your spiritual self, how have you developed? Now, if we're new to the faith, we should look like babies, shouldn't we? Right? We should look like babies. But if we've been in the faith for a little while... If we're looking like babies when we should look like teens, we need some character development. And I would invite you to think about that in other terms. Emotionally, how would you look? Would you be a baby? Would you be an adolescent? Would you be an adult? Right? I'm almost 50 years old, and sometimes I act like a five-year-old emotionally. Right? I need some character development. Where would you be on an emotional scale? 
What about your relationships with your children, with your spouse, with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with, with your friends, with the people that you work with, right? Are you, are you sitting in the diaper over there needing to be changed or you got the gray hair going on? You're a mature person relationally. How are you developing in your life as a character? You're the lead character in the story of your life. How are you growing? How are you developing? What's God calling you to next, right? Not just to get into heaven. We don't, that's not how we get into heaven. That's, right, Jesus wants us to live a life that is full and a life that is full is, is full of people who are developing with the help of the Holy Spirit to grow closer to God and grow closer to each other. And what kind of a character are you? Right? So what, what's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway today? What, what can we take from this? This is what I think it is, right? Being a great character is not based on how you start, Right? We don't just, we're not just born great characters, right? but on how you finish. Being a great character is not based on how you start, but on how you finish. Right? We want to see Jonah grow from resisting God to following God's will. We want to see Saul grow from persecuting the church to uh, building churches. Right? We want to see you grow emotionally, grow spiritually, grow relationally. Right? And so if you're stunted in your growth, it's not too late. Right? Don't despair. God's ready to help you move in your life to become a more mature character. Right? So... Right? Being a great character is not based on how you start, but on how you finish. How will you finish, brothers and sisters? Where are you in your development as a person, as a character, as a follower of Jesus? So what I'd like to invite you to do is keep coming. We're going to talk about what this looks like in practical terms. But I'd also like to ask you to do this uh, this week, to begin asking God to develop your character. God, help me grow as, as, a, as a father. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better colleague at work. God, develop me spiritually. I want to be closer to you, God, in my relationship with you. God, help me develop my character. And, and one way that I do this that helps me is just to think about things is I look back, right? Where did I come from? I look around. Where am I now? What's going on in my life right now? And look forward. Where is God calling me next? What kind of a father does God want me to be? What kind of a spouse does God want me to be? What kind of a, a, a pastor does God want me to be? Where have I come from? Where am I now? And where's God calling me to be? You are the main character in your life story, right? How are you developing as that character? How are you growing? How are you experiencing a life that is full? Right? And again, probably like me and Jonah, right? We've got some flaws, right? It's two steps forward, one step back, two step forward, one step back, but keep Moving forward, you are the main character in your life. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Jason. Right? There's a guy who, named Donald Miller who wrote a book that, that, that talks a little bit about what we're talking about, and he writes about this friend of his named Jason, uh, whose family, he was married and had a 13-year-old daughter, were living a story that wasn't going very well, and it was hurting Jason, and he was upset, and he was trying to figure out what to do about that. Right? So Jason daughter had gotten into drug use, right? Daughter's gotten into drug use. Uh, she chose to start dating a, a person, uh, a young man who was not treating her very well. And so she was choosing, right, some, some bad stuff in her life. And so Jason was struggling with that. He's praying about that, talking to his wife. How can we, you know, do things better? How can we improve our life for our daughter, that kind of stuff? And Donald Miller came to Jason and said, have you ever thought about like your life as a story, kind of like what we've been talking about? He says, maybe your daughter just doesn't feel like she's living a good story, and so she's tried to create another one. 
right? And, and, she, and she found some excitement in being a little independent, being rebellious, trying some drugs, right? Going out with the bad boy or whatever. And, and now she might feel stuck in that story. Jason, have you ever thought about what would it look like to give your family a new story? And so he thought about that and he really prayed about that and, and he did some research on the internet. And so he decided to call a family meeting and he had his wife there and his daughter there. And he talked a little bit about, you know what? We're probably not living the best story that our family could be living right now. And I'd like for us to live a, a better story. And, and the one thing that he said that I want us to do is like, I, I, I want us to go and I want us to build an orphanage in Mexico which for his wife and daughter was like out of left field. What are you talking about? He's like, I've been looking online and there are all these kids in Mexico who don't have a home and there's nowhere to go. And so it costs $25,000 to build an orphanage in Mexico. And I've already signed us up. Well, his wife about came over the table to kill him because he hadn't told her about this yet. And they didn't have $25,000 to spend on anything, just taking out a second mortgage on their home. And so he kind of took her to the side, explained what he was thinking, the whole thing about the story, life story. And and it took her a minute or two, but she, she came around. She's like, I'm in, right? I'm in. And so, so the daughter, it took her a little bit longer. She's thinking about that. She's not sure about that. She's like, well, dad, I think I might want to go down to Mexico and meet some of these children. And so they went down to Mexico. They met some of the children. They all fell in love with them and they decided to partner with them. And, and they worked hard and they, they, they were able to scrimp and save and do some fundraising. And they built that orphanage. And in the midst of doing that, the daughter chose, right, to stop using drugs. She chose to break up with the boyfriend who wasn't treating her well because she, she realized she deserved better than that. She, she was living a different story. She was in a dead-end story and it was going nowhere. Jason and his family were going in this, this bad place and, and, and they, they said, mentally, time out, right? I think God wants us to live a better story. And if we write better stories, we become better characters. We become better characters, we develop, we're gonna live a life that is full. And it's not just helping us, it's helping other people. And so brothers, if you feel stuck in your story, if you feel like at a dead end, like my, my development, my character's not going anywhere, don't despair, right? It's okay to feel that way, but don't, don't lose hope, right? We worship a God who's a God of new beginnings and he writes new pages and new chapters and new sentences, right? And, and new volumes. And so God is ready to give you a new story. God's ready to help you develop as a character, right? And God thinks that your movie's worth watching. God thinks your book is worth reading. God thinks your show should be at the top of the charts because that's who God made you to be. So brothers and sisters, being a great character, it's not based on where you start. It's based on where you finish. So ask God to develop your character and finish well, my friends, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.